Hello and welcome to the Chair's Corner from the Department of Medicine at the University of North Carolina. This is our series where we discuss different genetic diseases with physicians who treat patients with these conditions. And today, we're going to be talking about something called thrombotic microangiopathy, or TMA. We welcome Dr. Manish Saha, who is an assistant professor of medicine in our division of nephrology and hypertension. Welcome, Dr. Saha. Thank you. What is thrombotic microangiopathy? What is TMA? So TMA is basically, as the name suggests, thrombosis or blood clots in small blood vessels of our body. And these blood vessels are called as like arterials or capillaries. But clinically, it is manifested as low platelet counts, also known as thrombocytopenia, because the platelet gets consumed in that clots. And then something called as non-immune mediated or mechanical destruction of your red blood cells, giving rise to a low hemoglobin or making you anemic. And if this blood clots form in any organ, you have evidence of organ dysfunction. So if it happens in the kidney, you have kidney injury. If it happens in the brain, you have neurological symptoms. There are many types of thrombotic microangiopathies or many types of TMA, and there are two of them that we should spend a little more time on. them. One of them is known as thrombotic thrombocytopenic purpura. Can't say that fast three times, so it has an abbreviation known as TTP, thrombotic thrombocytopenic purpura, or TTP. What is TTP? So the clinical syndrome of TMA is shared by many disease entities, including what you said is TTP. So TTP, as the name suggests, thrombotic thrombocytopenic purpura. So when it was originally described so about 60 years ago, patient had features of small blood clots in the blood vessels. They also had low platelet count, and that's why the name thrombocytopenia, and they had a purpuric rash, and that's how the name was initially coined. Now, TTP, what it does, is it manifests as TMA with neurological syndrome or neurological symptoms of headache, confusion, signs and symptoms of stroke, and other features. So it's one of the causes of TMA. They are, used to be described what was known as a pentad, or five different features of TTP. Yeah. What, what were those? So the pentad that was described again many, many years ago included fever, low platelet count, also known as thrombocytopenia. You have evidence of mechanical destruction of red blood cells, kidney injury, neurological symptoms. So this pentad was described, and it was common when it was described in 1940s and 1960s, but recent studies show that you know less than 5% of patients with TTP actually have pentad of symptoms. So TTP doesn't need to present with all of these features. They can just have one marker and still can have TTP. And one of the causes of TTP is an absence or an inhibition of an enzyme uh, known as ADAMTS13. And there are various ways of pronouncing that acronym of a metalloproteinase. Yes. What is it? So, ADAMTS13 is an enzyme that is made by the liver. It's called metalloprotease is because it requires a metal like calcium or zinc to, for this action. So if somebody has a vessel injury, then what the body does is it makes another protein known as ultra-large von Willebrand factor, which is a clotting factor. 
so it helps in forming a clot at the site of injury of the blood vessel. Which is normal. That's what you're supposed to Which do. Which is normal. This is regulated because you don't want this process to continue because once the platelet plug is formed and once the vessel is repaired, you want the process to stop there. That is where ADAMTS13 comes into play. What this enzyme does, it, it controls the process so it's the platelet plug is limited to the site of injury and it doesn't get unregulated. Really, Adam TS13 does is to chop up high molecular weight or ultra high molecular weight von Willebrand's factor, which come out of cells known as endothelial cells. And yes. that's how you stop the, the process as you described. So how does one as an individual then uh, not have enough of this enzyme? So you can have in two ways. One is called, known as congenital TTP, where people have a defect in the genetic material that makes this enzyme. So if you have genetic mutation, you do not make enough of this enzyme. And these patients present early in life, also known as congenital TTP. Adults can also have TTP, but usually they make enough of the ADAMTS13 enzyme, but there's an autoantibody that inhibits the action of ADAMTS13. There's another leading cause of TMA, which is known as the hemolytic syndrome, or HUS. What's that? So HUS is hemolytic uremic syndrome. So when it was initially described, they found that patients with TMA, instead of having neurological symptoms like in TTP, they have kidney failure. And that's why where the term uremia was coined. So patients with TMA who primarily have kidney involvement are, have something called as hemolytic uremic syndrome. It can be caused by mainly two different entities. The first and the common one is infections. And these infections mainly are known as from E. coli, Shigella, and pneumococcus, among other infections. And the most common one in the state of North Carolina uh, was at one point a, a petting zoo at the North Carolina State Fair, uh, petting okay. goats uh, that carried uh, on their fur uh, those bugs. Okay. You can also get those uh, microorganisms or bacteria from food. Yes. So uncooked burgers, uncooked beef, you can get some of those toxins from there. It's the reason to cook hamburgers all the way through. It's the reason to wash uh, even things like alfalfa sprouts right. really well, because otherwise those bacteria just aren't washed away. Correct. And in addition to the infectious causes of hemolytic uremic syndrome, there is something else called the atypical form, which is a genetic uh, abnormality as well. Correct. So atypical HUS is when you have the same features, but it's not caused by an infection, but due to an unregulated activation of something called as alternate complement pathway. Complement pathway is one of our defense mechanisms that fights infections. A genetic defect or a mutation in one of these regulators let this alternate complement pathway get activated uncontrollably and result in thrombotic microangiopathy. So in terms of the, the genetic causes of these thrombotic microangiopathies, there's the absence or deficiency of an enzyme that cleaves uh, the, the protein that stops you from bleeding. And another genetic cause of the same kind of thrombotic microangiopathy is a defect in the way we control infection. So both of these are 
genetic abnormalities that pertain to regulation of uh, bleeding and or regulation of infection, uh, handling infections. What is the most common place for a patient to discover that they have a thrombotic microangiopathy? Is it because they've been hospitalized because of uh, clotting and bleeding and neurological dysfunction, or can are patients picked up uh, in the outpatient setting? So it's rarely picked up in the early outpatient setting is because the early symptoms are very vague. They may have little malaise, they may have little weakness, little headache. Most of the time they get hospitalized is because when the blood work is done, usually the platelet count is severely low in these patients and sometimes dangerously low that they get admitted to the hospital. And that's when additional blood tests are done and the ADAM-TS13 and other evaluations are done and when they are picked up. How do you test for these TMAs and, and how accurate are those tests? So the initial part when you're diagnosing somebody with TMA, you just need routine blood work to make sure you have evidence of low platelet counts called as thrombocytopenia. You have mechanical destruction of RBCs, which on peripheral smear looks like broken red blood cells known as cystocytes. And you have some evidence of an organ dysfunction, like elevated creatine because the kidneys are involved or any other organ involvement. Once you know that you have evidence of thrombotic microangiopathy, then the question is, is it TTP or HUS or any other secondary cause? So for TTP, you need to measure the ADAM-TS13 activity level. And for HUS, you need to make sure there is no infection. And if there is not, and you're looking for atypical HUS, then you need to study the genetic effects that uh, exist in the regulators of alternate complement pathway. And how accurate are those tests? So for atypical HUS, you can only expect to get about 50% positivity in patients who clinically present with atypical HUS. In other 50% of patients, it can still be normal, but they can still have atypical HUS. It's because the, not because there's not enough of it, it's because it doesn't function, function well. It doesn't function well, and maybe the testing that we have now as of 2018 is not sensitive enough to pick up every mutation. So hopefully with time it may improve. How do you treat somebody with TTP? So congenital TTP is usually treated by plasma infusion, meaning you're giving back to them normal ADAM-TS13 that exists in blood. Patients who are adults and have adult-onset TTP, because it's caused by an autoantibody, you need to do something called as plasma exchange. You get rid of it. You get rid of it, and you treat them with immunosuppression like steroids and other medications. How about HUS? How do you treat that? So HUS, if it's caused by an infection, then you treat the infection and conservative therapy and supportive therapy. If it is atypical HUS, then there is a specific drug for it known as anti-complement 5 medication, also known as eclusimab, that you may consider in certain cases. And that has really revolutionized the, the treatment of especially children with atypical HUS. It has made it so that their life expectancy is pretty good. Correct. So since the FDA approved it a couple of years ago, this is probably the only drug that's available and has revolutionized the treatment and the prognosis and the outcome of atypical HUS. Unfortunately, it's an extremely expensive uh, drug. It is very expensive, yes. And one that should only really be used if you know for sure that the person has an inherited complement deficiency. Yes, so only when the suspicion is very high or you have evidence, then only you should consider it. 
tell us a little bit more then about this drug, which is an infusion uh, given once a month that inhibits uh, what is known as C5 or the fifth component of complement. So this drug is, is, not, is an infusion. There is no pill or subcutaneous version yet. Uh, there's an induction phase and there's a maintenance phase and the dose varies according to your weight. This is a drug that comp inhibits complement factor five. The patient is at risk for something known as Neisseria meningitis. So they need to be vaccinated for all the zero groups that are recommended by CDC, as well as antibiotic prophylaxis for first few weeks at least when you're starting somebody on eclusimab infusion. And then there's the maintenance phase. And then there's the maintenance phase um, that is a little bit more complicated uh, to see how long you should use it because it depends on how is the patient responding to it, what is the recovery of the end organ involvement, and what kind of mutation the patient has. In atypical HUS, the real question at this point, not as if the drug is useful, it's very, very useful, it's life-saving. When can one stop it? And there's tremendous controversy about when you can stop that drug. Correct, yeah. So it is useful and it's a wonderful drug for the right diagnosis, but there's no consensus on when you should stop it. Or if you can. Or you can. But even if you stop it for one reason or another, you should follow your patients regularly uh, with a very, very close follow-up. Right. So the side effects of this drug are uh, inhibiting part of the normal process of getting rid of infection. So the side effects are, as you've described, lots of kinds of infectious diseases, but most commonly uh, a bacteria that causes meningitis. Correct, yeah. Because it affects the complement pathway, which is a part of our defense mechanism against infection, the greatest worry is the bacteria known as Neisseria meningitis causing infection in the brain known as meningitis. What is the overall quality of life then of somebody who has uh, a thrombotic microangiopathy? So if the, the disease is diagnosed early and the treatment is appropriate, they usually should have a good life expectancy. But at the same time, they are at risk for certain long-term uh, chronic diseases. So patients, if they had kidney involvement, they are at risk for chronic kidney disease. If they had brain involvement, then their risk for cognitive dysfunction and depression. And if their heart was involved, then their risk for cardiomyopathy or heart problem or hypertension. So as you follow these patients regularly, you should be screened for all this chronic disorder that they may develop uh, over time. With good therapy, though, and, and routine follow-up, uh, the life expectancy should be really pretty good. What are the chances then of somebody who has a genetic form of TTP or atypical HUS will pass that condition on to their children? So congenital TTP is usually transmitted as autosomal recessive disease. That means you need to get one genetic defect from your each parent, while atypical HUS can present in both autosomal dominant or autosomal recessive. So if somebody is affected with atypical HUS in an autosomal dominant fashion, meaning there's a 50% chance that their offspring will have or will carry that mutation. But just carrying the mutation may not be enough to cause symptoms. Where can someone find more information about TMA if they're looking on the web? 
So one of the websites is uncekidneycenter.org. Uh, the other one is Atypical HUS Foundation. The third one is Genetics Home Reference. Thank you so much, Dr. Saha. Thank you. Thanks so much to our listeners for tuning in. Next time, we'll be talking with Dr. Nigel Key about hemophilia. You can subscribe to The Chair's Corner on iTunes, SoundCloud, or like us on Facebook. Thanks for listening.